Hey y'all, hey, Soil Cousins, I need to have a word with you. This is a public service announcement about voting because we all need to do it, all right? So we know this is a, a election year, all right? There's a It's a presidential election, but we need to be mindful of a couple specific things. There are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president, all right? So what you need to do is go to Ballot Ready, that's B-A-L-L-O-T, R-E-A-D-Y dot org for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. You can see the whole thing. You need to know what's on there so you don't get in the booth looking cray or just being completely uninformed and leaving some parts blank. Leaving it blank, yo, that's just an opportunity for evil to prevail. And the last thing we need is for evil doing that. So from there on the ballot ready site, you can compare your candidates based on their stances on issues, biography or endorsements, and then you can save your choices to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. We have options. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote because we need a plan early on or on election day. This election matters. So make sure that you have a plan to vote so that you can vote informed, y'all. And I want to make sure that you understand that it is, you might be unfamiliar with some of the more local positions. That's really what I'm talking to you about. Like, I, I want you to consider that. We know you probably have already kind of made up your mind about who you want to vote for for president. That's your business. But if you are unfamiliar with some of the more local positions, positions, we recommend hosting a ballot party. All right. We can, we can. You know, make it a little bit fun. Get together with your friends over Zoom. Split up the research. You guys, you know, go through your ballots together so that we can be informed about these local positions that matter so much. They control things like who to prosecute and they're monitoring the quality of our drinking water and even the access to some of the spaces that we want to use for community gardening. You know, there's so many things and changes that have happened with polling places and such as a result of COVID. So we just want to make sure, well, I just want to make sure with this public service announcement that my soil cousins are prepared. Go to BallotReady.org and enter your address to make a plan to vote and vote informed. Guess what, y'all? We black in the garden. A A A A. I am Cola B talking here to guide you. I'm here to guide you. That's what we're doing, right? I'm guiding you across the intersection of black culture and horticulture. And I'm so glad that you're here. Episode nine for the books. This train is in motion, and I am so excited that you done hopped on this train here with me. We are at this point, uh, according to the Instagrams, a thousand followers deep. Wow. That's, I mean, that's a pretty big deal, but we're going to add some more zeros to that. You know what I'm saying? And it's not all about the, the, the number. It's more, more important is the impact. We have a very, very special thing that we're doing. We are, first of all, just being our blackity black selves and enjoying all things horticultural. We are enjoying 
gardening, we are enjoying farming and just plants in general, sowing seeds. We have so many more topics to get into, like land ownership and what we're doing uh, with our food and how we're feeding ourselves. So many things to talk about. Uh, I haven't even mapped it all out yet, to be honest with you. This is happening very organically. It's just most important that it's happening. Being fresh off of MLK Day, that is the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., if you're keeping up, but you know the abbreviation MLK. We're right off of that day, right off of that very special holiday, which, you know, we need to celebrate the legacy on every day. But a quote, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. And that's exactly what's happening here. We are moving forward with Black in the Garden. This podcast, episode nine. Shoot, I ain't gonna lie. I am just bugging out about the fact that we have made it to episode nine. And there's so many more episodes to go because we have so many more things that I am excited to share with y'all. We need to talk more about community gardening, you know, the community, the future, where we're going, where we've been. Like history month is coming up. We gonna talk about where we've been. Okay. That is important. But you know, we'll get there. We will get there. Don't forget we are celebrating Kwanzaa 365. So the the uh, principle, self-determination, the principle of the week is self-determination. Now y'all going to bear with me because somebody going to let me know if I'm saying this right or wrong, but I'm going to go with Kuji Chagulia. Probably said it wrong and it's fine because you know, that's not what's important here. What is more important than the pronunciation of the word is the definition, which is self-determination. And I hope that we are all applying that to our lives at this very moment. If you're not feeling like you're capable, like things are possible, we just need to determine among ourselves that it is and we can. All right. So let's keep that principle with us as we go into this episode of Black in the Garden. Y'all here. I love it. And, you know, I'm learning along the way with y'all. I don't know if y'all know that. Y'all know I don't know everything, right? I am not the gardening expert in the scientific way. I just know what I know from the reading and the watching and the paying attention. And it's pretty dope that I get to learn along with experts as I am talking with experts and other more experienced gardeners and elders as I'm doing the show. So it has been a big, big perk for me. And I just refer to the experts. That is why we're doing interviews on here as the format is what it is. So I hope that you all appreciate it. I hope you're all just drinking up all of the wisdom, getting all these gems that they're dropping because everybody that come through be like, Jim, Jim, you get a gym, you get a gym. I told y'all, Oprah, she, she right here. She right here in my heart. And one of my favorite gems from episode eight, the hashtag we came away with was stay plant woke, hashtag plant woke for the 20 twin. That's the other hashtag. (laughs) Hashtag 20 twin. We're staying plant woke going forward. If you are new to gardening, welcome. Stay tuned. You 
there's so much more to learn. I mean, don't just rely on this podcast as your instruction because this is not simply instruction. This is mainly for the culture. You dig? It's for the culture. (laughs) I made a garden pun. (laughs) Yes, you need to dig. You need to get your spade. You need to dig. You need to get your library card. You need to get to the library. You need to dig. If you're new to gardening, uh, feel free to um, tag me on your pictures on the on the Instagram at Black in the Garden. Also, send me an email, blackinthegarden at gmail.com. We want to help. We have a whole community of gardeners out here, farmers and plant keepers and people with all the know-how such as Dr. Haley, who we're talking to today on this very special episode. I mean, truly, all the episodes are very special episodes, but Dr. Haley is just welcoming us into her garden of wisdom. We all should be cultivating a garden of wisdom. I'm definitely cultivating my garden of wisdom, and I invite you to get your seeds prepared. Shout out to Seed Mail. I had to throw that in there. If we're going to talk about seeds, then we need to make sure that the Black-owned seed company is getting shouted out. Seed Mail Seed Co. All right. Stephanie was on episode two. You can go back to that episode if you haven't heard it yet, because catch up. All right. But like I said, we're talking about Dr. Haley today. We're talking to Dr. Haley, who is the urban academic. And I had so many aha moments I was standing, she was dropping gems. I was like, yes, 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 give me more. So I am looking forward to sharing this with you, sharing the the gems, the wisdom. And she is a, a deep well of knowledge and information about all these things. So she'll definitely be joining us again once it gets warmer. You know, when it's winter, we're just kind of fantasizing about what our gardens are gonna be looking like and everything but she's definitely going to be helping us to get it right. And as for now, stay tuned for the interview. I didn't even get to ask you, how well-versed are you on the pests? Because that might uh, Depends on the pest. I've been uh, fighting squash vine borers. Um, they they just decimated my squash this year. I have, I have nothing to show for all my squash. Mm, you're gonna trigger me okay we're gonna <laughs> i want to go ahead and lead into because you're gonna get me upset and i just don't want to start on that note okay i'm gonna calm down <laughs> <You asked. laughs> that was, i just went like oh you just don't understand how tense i just got okay <laughs> so, just give me a beat Before we go any further, I need to take a moment to let you in on a Black-owned business that is Cocoa and Seed, spelled C-O-C-O and Seed. It is a place to get nature-inspired home and garden products for the plant lover in your life. Me? I don't know. If you were looking for somebody, I'm one. At Cocoa and Seed, you can find personalized enamel camping mugs with these really dope monstera leaves on there and you can personalize those things you can personalize the mugs hey indoor garden kits like this um, hydroponic microgreens planter um my fave i grew some really cute spicy radish microgreens in those in 10 days that is literally nature's fast food 
All of this is with a worry-free guarantee. There's cute journal stickers with amethyst crystals on there, all kind of stuff, including propagation tubes and these adorable wire stands. You got to get on the website. I'll take you there. Products are carefully crafted, sourced, and packaged with eco-friendly and sustainable materials because we care about the earth, right? So stop what you're doing unless you're driving, if you can, but if you're not driving, stop what you're doing, click the link in the show description. This is what's going to happen. You're going to get to my affiliate link so that you can support the podcast and get 10% off. So stop what you're doing, go in the show description, click that link. If you're on Instagram, click the link in the bio, take you to the website, get your discount, support black business, support black in the garden. And we appreciate you for that. All right. And today we are, we're talking with the urban academic and the urban academic is Dr. Haley, who is a doctor of public health. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So I know that you read all the books, obviously being a doctor. So (laughs) tell us more about how you became a doctor of public health, like what that journey was like for you. Okay. So in undergrad, um, I was pre-med and I wanted to be, um, I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician um, and physics and chemistry told me otherwise, essentially. Um, I just couldn't Mm. do it. So um, what I really discovered I wanted was to help people to be healthy. And so there's lots of ways to do that, right? You don't have to be a nurse or a doctor to do that. And the more I explored, the more I realized that my my thing, my calling was public health. Um, so I got a master's um, about seven years after I graduated. And then uh, in 2013, I graduated from the CUNY Graduate Center with my doctorate in public health. And right. um, just, I think my whole existence has always been about how to keep people healthy. Right. Keeping people healthy, being very important. And of course, when we're able to grow our own food, that takes it to a level that, you know, is just that much more organic. So uh, tell us how you got started as a gardener. Well, um, my father was an avid gardener and um, I grew up helping him weed and harvest mostly. He, he really wasn't about letting me <laughs> mess with the actual plants, but he would talk all the time about what he was doing. And um, he just, he made a space for us in the garden. And I think that that's one of the reasons that I've always been happy in the garden is because that's where he and I had our time. And now that he's oh. gone, it's a way for me to be with him. Wow, that that's really sweet. That just sounds like an Ava DuVernay kind of ah. setup. <laughs> I can just imagine her directing the story of your life. So that those well, are I very... hope she's listening. <laughs> well, I hope she's listening too. Hey, Ava, you know, um, email me at blackinthegarden at gmail.com. You know, I'm available. Get yes, and Dr. Haley <laughs> is also available. 
Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. So let's stay on track. Let's stay on track. So, okay. How did you get from gardening with, you said dad, right? Yeah. Gardening with dad to getting to a, a place where you are developing an urban forest. Well, uh, the intersections, you know, we don't, we don't exist in a bubble, right? So there are all these intersections that occur naturally in your life. And for me, the intersection of gardening and public health was it. Um, I think permaculture, regenerative gardening, sustainable gardening, all of those things are very public health oriented. And so I think that that's how I ended up thinking about it in terms of an urban food forest. I see what you mean. So when you think of an urban food forest, are you referring to any place that has an abundance of food that is naturally growing? I think it's an urban food forest is a system that feeds itself and that is very perennial. Um, so my goal is to have um, at least 50%, if not more, of what's growing in my food forest be perennial so that I don't have to cultivate, right? It just does what it does naturally. And then when it uh-huh. dies, it feeds the earth, which then in turn provides the support for it to come back again. Does that make sense? That makes sense, but we definitely want to reiterate what the definition of perennial is because somehow in my mind, I just kind of, I didn't draw a blank, but in my (laughs) mind, I'm thinking if I'm I'm saying this correctly, perennial is when it comes back every year or because annual is when it dies after it's done its job, it's dead and it's not coming back, right? So an annual plant goes from seed to flower in one season. You plant it, it grows, it flowers, it dies. One season. Biannual takes two seasons. So in the first season, it grows, the foliage comes into, into being, and then the second season, it flowers, and then it dies. And perennial... Um, so let me think about biennials for a second. Um, there are, I think, fewer biennials than there are, um, annuals and, Mm -hmm. and perennials. So I have to really think about it, but. Brussels sprouts? Um, you know, I don't think I've ever grown Brussels sprouts. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought you was going to help me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think I like, I ever. Some... okay i think more about flowers when i think about biennials um or biennials that? rather so uh-huh. you're talking more ask... it's okay on google black eyed susans like black eyed susans are a good mm-hmm. example um the first year you get these long tall um stalks with big beautiful leaves and then the second season, you get all the flowers. And so they, you know, they flower and then go to seed. The seeds fall in place. And that's why sometimes we think things are perennial, meaning they keep coming back. 
but they're actually annuals or biannuals. And, and what they're doing is dropping their seed in place. And then when the conditions are right, they germinate and you get a new plant, but it's actually a brand new plant. It's not the same plant. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> it, it does make you sense. Tell teacher, I, does that make sense? <laughs> I've heard that um, particular process that you just referred to be called uh, nature's sperm bank. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I had a good chuckle at that when I first heard it so I figured I would just pass it along to you but yes for sure Um, so a perennial I'm glad you made that distinction because you you did indicate that a biennial what's the word again? biennial or biannual Mm -hmm. that's something to say right (laughs) <laughs> that one, it drops seeds and then the seeds grow. And so it can be mistaken as a perennial, which is one that continues to come back year after year. Right. So a biannual, biannual and an annual could drop their seeds in place, which gives you that yes. illusion. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I feel like we just got, we got good and sciencey right there. So I'm just <laughs> glad that I can keep up, you know, because I'm, I am, huh. it, there's so many things to know and so many things to learn. And, you know, we can never be in a position where we are really haughty about our knowledge as gardeners, because come on now, it's, it's, it's a lot. So, um, I appreciate you for making it digestible and making it <laughs> to where we can understand. So, and so you have your doctorate and you also have your master's. I do Tell both in public health, both in public health. So yes. doctorate in urban public health. Mm-hmm. And That's so correct. can you elaborate more on the connection between the urban because you know that isn't that keyword for black i mean (laughs) i think when you combine it with contemporary urban contemporary i think that means black yeah so (laughs) okay so when when we're talking about urban in the doctorate sense what what is that indicating so i uh grew up in new york city and went to school for my master's and my doctorate in new york city and so when we talk about urban public health, we're really talking about the challenges and problems uh, that affect health outcomes in an urban setting. So it doesn't have to be New York, it can be Chicago, it can be Miami, it can be LA, but cities have their own specific health issues. So things like overcrowding and um, things like overcrowding, things like uh, sanitation, um, pollution, Mm. Those things are definitely city problems. As you get more rural, you'll have less of those things. But rural areas have their own problems too, like access to care. You know, if if your neighbor is five miles away, how far is the doctor? Yes, how far is the doctor? Right. The doctor doesn't come to the house in in the rural setting? Not always. Mm. And if you have a need of a specialist, you might even have to go a state or two away to find it if you're in a rural area that that is definitely crazy (laughs) yeah but hmm see I feel like that's another conversation it is why people choose a rural location so I don't want to get 
I think you and I will have many, many conversations <laughs> over time. Yes. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Let's just, so we'll just stay on track then because I am, wow. Um, let's get into an intergenerational kind of perspective. So I want to know two things. Advice that you have taken from an elder that has helped you to become a better caretaker of the earth and also advice that you would spread or that you are spreading to the future generation? So a lot of my best lessons have been by example. And I think that's how children typically learn. Um, how all of us learn really is by watching and doing. And so I think the best advice that that I could give is take your kids out into the garden with you, no matter their age. I don't care if they're 16 or six, take them out there. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just to hold a basket, um, you mm -hmm. might think that it's not resonating with them. You might think, oh, they're not interested. And they may not be right now, but mm -hmm. later on, you know, if you think about your own maturity and growth, how many things did your parents or elders try to teach you? And you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And years later, maybe even after you've had your own children, it's like, oh, that's what they were talking about. Or now it makes sense. So you plant these seeds just like in your garden. And it may take a while for the conditions to be right for them to germinate. And not all the seeds will catch, but some will. And so hopefully, you know, you've planted enough seeds to where they they can grow a whole garden of wisdom, right? Um, my dad yeah. was an avid gardener. And so I think that's where I got the love of gardening um, is from watching him and holding the basket and listening to him talk and watching him work sun up to sundown in our garden you know, from the, the moment it warmed up until it was too cold to grow anything. Um, and I think what I learned from him just watching that is persistence and, and commitment. So I would say those were the lessons that I learned from the garden. That was very eloquently put. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about a garden full of wisdom. I'm like, yes, okay, teach the children. Teach them well and let them away. Is how I like to put it around here. Mm -hmm. Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. So um, with your advice to the future generation, which is more along the lines of you want to sow seeds of wisdom. So how do you sow seeds of wisdom into your uh, kids as far as uh, how you educate them? So I actually, I homeschool. Um, I have two kids, one's 21, the other one's 12. And um, mm -hmm. I homeschooled the older one through middle school and two years of high school. And the little one, I've been homeschooling since the middle of fourth grade. She's now in the middle of seventh. Um, and actually, I don't just homeschool, I unschool. So it's unstructured, right? No textbooks unless they ask for them. Um, no lesson plans. I kind of let them lead or let her lead at this point. It's just the one. Um, and so mm. the garden is actually quite useful for that. Uh, we've done yeah. things like put together um, one of those 
Aldi greenhouses. And um, I mean, that's nothing major, but it's, it's still, it's logic and it's um, construction and that sort of thing. And as we're putting it together, the real lesson occurs, which is why are we doing this, right? So we're doing this to extend the season. What does that mean? That means that the temperature inside the greenhouse is different than the temperature outside. And how does that happen? And so you're, you're, you're having a conversation. It's just a normal organic conversation, but that conversation is about science. And then mm-hmm. as we're talking, it is right. Exactly. And then as we're talking about that, we're talking about why I grow and what I grow and where that came from. So now we're talking about family and traditions and why those are important. And that turns into nutrition and why growing your own is so important. And that turns into self-determination and why that's so important. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you can teach all these different lessons covering a whole, you know, spectrum of subjects in just an hour of a conversation that you're having in the garden or you're putting together a greenhouse. So you can do that in the house, actually, mm-hmm. if you chose, but you know, you could be out in nature. So that's beautiful. And I appreciate you, you know, elaborating while also helping us to understand the difference between what homeschooling is and unschooling is. And obviously they they go hand in hand. Is there, let me ask you this. Is there a way where let's say my children are in school? Um, is there a way that they can be in like the regular institutional school and also be unschooled? I think we do it naturally, whether we realize it or not, especially black people. I think we, or people of color in general, I think we do that naturally because so much of us is left out of the standard curriculum. So much of who we are, where we come from, how we function as a people and community is not incorporated into their conventional experience. I would say, you know, people say traditional education, but traditional education is home education. Schools are a relatively modern invention. Originally, everyone was homeschooled. That's true. Everybody was in the village and there they were gardening to get their food and they were catching the animals if they wanted the meat and then of course they need the fur i just i love that you brought that to the forefront because i <laughs> feel like we forget we've forgotten that well and and i think that there's um purpose in us forgetting that right because of people who forget their history and lose their sense of empowerment um they can't direct their own future can they well, you said it. Wow. <laughs> See, just that was that was a gem that just dropped. And um yeah, so I really need to I need to sit with that myself actually and unpack that because you are really just giving me life with the way that you are. You know, you're living your life and you're living it intentionally and you are making decisions for your yourself and your children that you are, you know, you're, you're basically planting those seeds to have them grow that garden of wisdom. And what I see is happening, this is what's happening, is you're planting seeds to grow a garden of wisdom in, in me and everybody that's listening. So I appreciate you for that. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank Um, you. Yeah. 
Of course, of course. So about sustainability, I just want to get into what what that looks like for you. We could have a whole conversation on how municipal recycling isn't what you think it is, but I'm going to leave that for another day. Um, sustainability for me is how can I reduce the amount of waste I produce? How can I reduce um, my draw on the environment? So for example, when we're talking about the garden, um, I try to make sure that I'm not needing to water things constantly. Um, you know, when I was a kid, my father had this oscillating sprinkler. I think the one that, you know, you put on the lawn and the kids run through and I, that's, that's I a lot of water. That. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> that's a lot of water. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So instead I have water barrels and I have created uh, a system in my, in my garden and in my yard where I either have plants that don't require daily watering or I've built up the soil in a way that it retains moisture so that watering is minimized. Um, mm. Yeah. When I shop outside of the garden, when I shop, I do a lot of thrifting. Um, and the idea is there are brands that I wouldn't buy because of the way that they treat their employees or how um, wasteful they may be or how they impact the environment. However, if those goods already exist and they're in a thrift store, then my buying them actually extends the life of that product so it's not in the landfill. I haven't given money right. directly to that company. I've given it to the thrift store, not the company. Um, and so I've not encouraged them to produce more because I'm actually keeping that one unit in rotation longer does that does that make sense that does make sense because that goes against <laughs> the concept of fast fashion which exactly. is you know a sustainability disaster because mm -hmm. there's constantly more and more textiles that are being piled up on the earth and we can't wear all them clothes h&m <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> and then you know when you think about it um it's more than it's more than just uh, how they're made. It's also the, the the company's philosophy, how they treat people, right? What are they mm -hmm. giving back, or are they giving back? <clears throat> Excuse me. And then I also think about things like you know, how do people who don't have a lot of money shop ethically, responsibly, and sustainably? Um, I think for a lot of Black people, I remember writing a paper in grad school about sustainability and reading an article that said that Black people in particular, not people of color in general, but Black people in particular, are about 10 years behind when it comes to green, eco-friendly, um, sustainable technologies and interventions. And I thought, that's crazy, because weren't we the original sustainers? I mean... <laughs> That, yeah. That's crazy. We so. have our ways where we recycle and mm, 
because the first thing that came to mind is like the the Tupperware, like that, you know, whipped cream. <laughs> I know what you're gonna the, say. <laughs> the country crock. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, the pickle jar is empty now. I'm drinking that. Like, I'm drinking out of that. Or <laughs> you get where I'm going with this. I but, get when you open the Cool Whip container and inside there's no Cool Whip. I get that. <laughs> yeah. You, have, you know, I remember my brother posted a meme where he was, um, you know, it was the country crock tub. And it was like, well, you know, I ended up at work with the country crock. <laughs> instead of the the oh. meal that was prepared for me yesterday with yeah so did you guys have the um did you guys have the sewing kit <clears throat> excuse me the sewing kit that was in the butter cookie tin did you have that of course what are you talking about is is the season for butter tin <laughs> sewing <to> kit be- <laughs> well not the sewing kits yet right now we are still at the stage where the cookies are still there fortunately mm. And um, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because uh, my kids just finished a tub of popcorn um, and it was one of those big, you know, Christmas holiday tubs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we could plant something in this. And my first thought was, that I, what's that? You better drill some holes in the bottom of that bad boy. See, that was the first thought was we got to get some holes at the bottom. We can plant something in this. And then I was like, wouldn't it be festive if I put a Christmas cactus in here? Oh, and maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'll keep you posted. But hmm. <laughs> the black folks be recycling, and that article was not covering the nuance in the way that we're covering the nuance. <laughs> no, what it was doing was putting it into a European lens and saying that we don't shop, you know, for hemp clothes and and um, you know biodegradable whatchahoosits and what have you. That's what it was saying. But those things are typically out of reach of the average person. They're so expensive. So, you know, keeping things out of the landfill is just as important as supporting sustainable and ethical fashion. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree with that because I'm thinking I I end up having these many anxiety attacks when I go into the store any store. It doesn't even matter really. Um, but especially a grocery store and I see new products and I'm always wondering like, okay, what, what's going to end up happening to this packaging here? A lot of everything is so quick and single unit and, you know, like let's just get it out there fast and quick. And, and the packaging has to be attractive because we, they have so much to compete with. So there's all this new product packaging and that's my concern is like well when are we going to stop making all this stuff well when when i go to the supermarket and i see things like an apple wrapped in plastic or or worse a banana wrapped in plastic Mm. and i'm like didn't it come with its own wrapping like that that's what that's for yeah they do that i'm trying Mm -hmm. to understand the why it's all kinds of wrong It's redundant is what it is. A banana exactly. with a wrapper? Exactly. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying not to get too annoyed, frustrated <laughs> or, or sidetracked with that. Wow. But, but now think about, think about gardening where you go out to your garden, cut your lettuce, pick your herbs, grab your tomato, 
come inside and make yourself a salad and there was no plastic involved. Oh, that that is really it. That's the dream. So there you go, yeah. right? And then when you're done with all of whatever is out there, where do, where what do we tend to do as responsible gardeners with our compost? It's the circle of life. It is the circle <laughs> of life. <laughs> that is brilliant. Wow. Okay. That is so awesome. I appreciate the way that I like the way we're able to tie that up. And so I'm just going to ask you, because we have to have more conversations because I mean, Dr. Haley, (laughs) obviously a deep well of knowledge and inspiration. And I appreciate you so much for. Thank you, my love. I appreciate it. You are welcome. You're welcome. Um, So tell us how we can find you. So. I am on Instagram as The Urban Academic. I'm also on Facebook as The Urban Academic. And I have a fledgling YouTube channel um, by the same name. I think that one's Urban Academic because somebody stole my the. Um, But the YouTube channel, let me just say, um, don't start with YouTube. (laughs) I started with YouTube and that was a bad idea. that's how I ended up on Instagram because YouTube is a lot it's a lot lot, but you know we um I won't add that to the show description we'll just act like that part wasn't in the credits (laughs) (laughs) but it's okay we can do on Instagram and we can find you on Facebook and you know other than that I know that you have your links to be to reach you directly. And yes. of course, there's all the inbox on the Instagram. So I just want to wish you love, light, and soil, Dr. Haley. Y'all, thank you so much for joining us here on this episode of Black in the Garden. This was episode nine, brought to you by the Kwanzaa principal of the week, Kuji Chagulia. Somebody let me know if I'm saying it wrong. Somebody also let me know if I'm saying it right. (laughs) Either way it goes, self-determination. Take that with you. Put it in your pocket. Put it in your your pocketbooks somewhere. Just keep keep that principle with you. It's important. That is what fuels us. That is what keeps us moving forward. And I want you to just stay encouraged. And I thank you again for joining us. And just a few notes about supporting Black in the Garden. You know, I mentioned cocoa and seed on this episode and I have a link in the show notes that you should definitely click on. I understand some of your hands may be busy when you're listening because I know my hands are busy when I listen to podcasts generally, but when you put that stuff down or stop driving or whatever it is that you're doing, there's a link for you to click to get us some affiliate coins. I Because, you know, that is a part of supporting the podcast and also supporting Black business as we should be doing, you know, all the darn time. Okay, so Linktree is another way to go about that. You know, in case you might not take a glimpse of them show notes, it's fine. L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Black in the Garden. That's Linktree forward slash black in the garden, but they like to put the dot after the R in the link tree. It's fine. It's fine. It's written down if you need it. It's also on the Instagram bio. 
Make sure you follow us at Black in the Garden. Use the hashtags, tag us. Let us know what's going on in your garden, in your house, with your house plants. It's all good. I want to know. I'm interested. Email me, blackinthegarden at gmail.com. And as always, and forevermore, I am here to wish you love, light, and soil. <laughs>